Welcome back to 80s Action Pod. I'm Jay, your movie guy. Let me reintroduce myself. I'm an amateur podcaster doing this basically for fun, a chance for me to reminisce about the 1980s. I'm hoping as this podcast goes, they get better and better each every two weeks. And uh, to me, it's a complete learning experience. I'm doing this basically just for fun and a chance for me to reminisce Rewatch TV shows and old movies from the 80s and uh, talk about them for a little bit. So, a little bit about me. I was born in 1973 in western Pennsylvania. And I lived in Pennsylvania until about 85. And then from 85 to about 1988, my family moved to upstate New York, up in the Anirondack Mountains. Funny thing is, though, whenever you tell anybody you used to live in New York, first thing they always ask is, what part of the city? I was closer to Canada than I was New York City. But after that, mid-1988, my family moved from New York to, uh, to Ohio to be closer to my grandmother, who lived in Pennsylvania. So we were about two hours away from her. But we uh, lived not too far from the Football Hall of Fame. The reason I'm bringing this up is for the first part of my life, as I said, I lived in Pennsylvania and I had my good group of friends. We uh, played baseball together. We went to church together, school, camp. So I had a really good group of friends. We hung out and everything like that. But in 85, start of middle school, we moved upstate New York. I was the new guy and I'm a very introverted person. So it's very hard for me to open up and make friends. And it was really difficult because those kids knew each other. They had gone to school together. They had played baseball together. They had gone to church. And it was a very tight-knit community. Even though it was a large school district, it was very tight-knit. And then the same thing when we left New York to go to Ohio. Again, now I'm in the middle of high school. These kids have been together from kindergarten, preschool, up until 10th grade. I mean, and again, they've played football and baseball together, church together, hung out, and it was very close-knit community again. And it was very hard for someone like me to, to reach out and make friends. But one thing I had, one group that was always accepting of people that was always like, oh, hey, yeah, you're interested in this? Sweet. And that was role-playing. Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, I know the 1980s was right in the middle of the satanic panic and how Dungeons and Dragons was bringing the devil to the world. But it wasn't. It was actually helping me connect with other people and friends, basically. But how I noticed was I would watch the kids and see, oh, he's got a handbook. Oh, he's reading the Icewind Dale trilogy. And I'd be like, all right. I know this. I know second edition Dungeons and Dragons. I know the Icewind Dale trilogy. I know the Dritz storyline. So let's see. Let's start making friends. Let's just get in there. And it worked. Uh, even today, some of my best friends from high school, that's how we connected. That's how we stayed friends was because of Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games. But mostly Dungeons and Dragons. And it was a way to be creative, 
to reach out, to make friends, even though if we were completely different. But once you sat down at that table and you rolled those dice, you had that connection. You weren't who you were. You were your character in going through an adventure. And the reason I'm bringing this up in this episode is because of role-playing games, it gave me an affinity for books and movies like The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings, the Icewind Dale trilogy, um, Chronicles of Narnia. And then later on, later in the decade, uh, movies like Willow, The Princess Bride, uh, later on, further down the road, The Lord of the Rings and the movies, The Hobbit movies. And it just gave me uh, an affinity to uh, the fantasy genre. And it may not be what you consider 100% an action genre, but dude, if you're fighting dragons, if you're fighting death knights, if you're hordes of orcs, and I mean, you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, most likely, it's action. It's all action-packed. A lot of it may be story-driven, but there is action in fantasy movies. And that leads us into 1981. Let me take you to June 26th, 1981, when dragons were real. We're going to be talking about the joint effort between Disney and Paramount to bring us the action-adventure Dragon Slayer. A young wizardling apprentice is sent to kill a dragon which has been devouring girls from a nearby kingdom. Simple enough storyline. I think we've seen it throughout history, through books, through TV shows. But how does Dragon Slayer deal with it? Movie opens. Valerian is leading a group of adventurers to a keep to find the wizard Ulrich. They're going to ask Ulrich to come and kill the dragon. The king, though, has, has an agreement that on the equinoxes, the spring and fall equinox, he sacrifices a virgin to keep the dragon at bay. And it's working. But people in the kingdom are like, um, no, we don't want to continue sending our girls to die. So this group goes out to find Ulrich the wizard. And they get there and they're like, we need you to do it. Well, what about this wizard? What about that wizard? They're dead. They're dead. Can't do it. So he says, all right, I'll do it. While this is happening, one of the king's guards, Tyron, and in a couple nights show up and we're like, no, 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 no. We're not going to let you do this. We don't want to deal with the aftermath of the dragon. We're, we're good way it is. And the wizard's like, no, I can kill him. And he's like, well, prove it. Prove to me you're worthy. He says, all right. So he sends his young apprentice, which is Gallon, to uh, go fetch a dagger. And says, bring it down. And he says, to prove it, this dagger will not hurt me. And he hands it to the guard and says, all right. Kind of like a spoiler alert. It does. It actually kills him. (laughs) And now his apprentice, Galen, 
and his uh, he has a, a liege, an older gentleman who helps him named Hodge. They're like now sad. It's like, oh no, the wizard is dead. So then the group's like, oh crap, our only hope is now gone. So the group goes off and they're sad that uh, we can't now fight the dragon. We have no wizard. The apprentice and uh, the uh, the wizard's liege are like, all right, we're going to have to burn the body and we're just going to have to clean up and get out of here. So they burn the body. Hodge, the liege, puts his ashes in a bag and uh, they're cleaning up when the wizard's amulet starts glowing. And Gallon's like, all right, what's up with this? Locks it away, turns around, and it's back out. And he's like, that's it. I'm the one who's supposed to kill the dragon. And he tells Hodge, let's go catch up to the group. We're going to be the ones. We're going to do it. I can do this. I can kill the dragon. So they run and they catch up with the group. And he makes this grand entrance. And they're like, yeah, whatever. But they're like, okay, you know what? We'll go for it. So he's there with the group. And he is like, I'm going to kill this dragon. We're going to be fine. Well, the king's guard is still nearby spying on him. Well, Galen goes to the lake. He's going to clean up. And he sees a vision of the king's guard, Tyron, shooting an arrow. He runs back and he finds out that, that, that Hodge has been shot. And he's like, oh no, what's going on? And he, Hodge tells him, hands him the ashes of the wizard of Alrin and says, put it in the burning water. And then he dies. And it's like, burning water? Water doesn't burn. But he says, all right, I'll take it and with the amulet. And then they go off. On their way to the um, to the uh, town, they have to pass the dragon's keep, and he's like, "I want to see this. I got to go down. I got to see it." So they're like, "No, no, unless you're going to die, stay away." He's like, "Nope, I'm going to do it." He snoops around. He gets there, and he says, "You know what?" He takes the amulet. He calls forth, and he wants to call this big rock down, and he wants to close the end of the cave off. And he does, but the magic gets a little away from him. He causes this incredible avalanche. And they're like, is it done? Is the, dra the dragon's dead? I mean, well, obviously not, because otherwise this would be a really short podcast. But they get back and they're like, yay, the dragon's dead. And it was kind of, they decide the city's going to have a, a little party and everything like that. Well... Another little twist is Valerian, who is leading the group, is actually a, a girl who has been hiding as a boy to stay out of the lottery. And she's like, the dragon's dead. I can now be me. So she pulls out, I believe it's her mother's dress. They really don't, don't hint at it, but that's my assumption. And she's like, you know what? I'm sick of hiding. I want to be a woman. I want to go out. So she makes her way out. People are like, oh my gosh, wow. And Gallon's there, and he's like, wow. So, and they're having this party, and everything's going, when the king's guard shows up, and was like, king's mad. He's upset. If that dragon's not dead, there's going to be hell to pay. So, he pulls Gallon, takes him up to the king, and he was like, alright, prove to me what you did. So, he's sitting there, and he's trying, and he's, he's kind of failing. And he says, you know what? Lock him up. Put him away. 
And so they sent him off to the off to the uh, a cell down in the dungeon. And while he's there, they're like trying to figure out he's he's now the king now has the amulet. He's trying to turn iron into gold to make himself rich. So while he's down in the dungeon, the princess talks to him and was like, "Is it really over?" And he's like, "I don't know, but we'll find out." And uh, he goes, "Well, you were safe anyways." And she goes, "What do you mean?" He goes, "You were never in the lottery. You were never put in." He goes, "Yes, I was, just like everybody else." He's, "Think about it. No, the people with money and the power were never put in. It was always the peasants." And the normal people who were being put in this lottery, sort of like the Hunger Games type thing here. And so she was like all upset. She runs and asked asked the king. I was like, "Am I in there?" He goes, "Well, we don't have anything to worry about now." Yeah, yes, yes, you were in there. You were in there lying to her. And then, as everything happens, lo and behold, the dragon digs itself out, and it comes out, and now it's ticked. It's going to lay waste. Uh, carnage takes place. Uh, Gallon, Gallon is the, the princess actually lets Gallon out. And so he escapes and he makes his way back to the, uh, to Valerian and the, the, the blacksmith who she's staying with. And, uh, they hide him when they're the uh, King's guard and everything. They're coming now, trying to find, figure out what's going on and say, all right, well, where is he? Where is he? I have no idea. They're hiding him in the underneath the anvil. And they're like, all right, well, there's going to be another um, another lottery. We're, we're going to have to sacrifice someone else. So we got to figure all this out. And guess what? Valerian now is known to be a woman, is going to be in the lottery. So as this is going on, like, all right, during the lottery, Gallon is like, I'm going to sneak in there and I'm going to get my amulet back. So he's sneaking into the castle. They're doing the lottery and they pull out the name and it's the princess. And the king is like, no, 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 no. Pull another name. It's smudged. It's not right. It won't work. Pulls another name out. It's the princess. No, this is wrong. It can't happen. Now, the princess had put, taken everybody else's name out, and it's all her. And she's like, no, Dad, this is how it's going to be. I am sacrificing myself for the greater of the, of the kingdom. While this is going on, Gallon is inside the castle trying to find the amulet. And he's having no luck, no luck, when all of a sudden, the king and his guards come in. And the king is like, you know what? You may be my daughter's only hope. You take it. And he sits it down at the table and the amulet shoots across the table into Gallon's hand. So there is magic there. Gallon does have ability. He, He's just not fully aware and capable of what he is. So now he has his amulet back and he goes back down to the blacksmith and was like, do you have a weapon? And he had. He had forged a spear called the Dragon Slayer. And uh, he's like, I don't know if it's sharp enough. So Galen uses the amulet to pr- produce the heat and the flame to make it even stronger. So he's like, all right. And Valerian 
has gone off and she has collected dragon scales to create him a shield. She says, I don't know if it's going to work, but hey, better than anything. So now it's time for the for the uh, sacrifice. So they take the princess in, they chain her up, and Galen shows up and he's like, all right, I'm ready to fight the dragon. I'm ready to do this. And the dragon's coming out ground is shaking and everything like this and everybody the people there who are to certify the sacrifice and everything's like it's done we're gone so gallon's there ready he has the shield he has the spear the princess is tied chained up and all of a sudden tyrant the king's guard shows up and he's like nope nope she's got to die we got to just keep peace with the dragon and this time they're fighting dragon comes out the queen's running or not the queen the princess is running the dragon takes the princess and Galen and Tyron fight and Galen finally kills him he stabs him through I mean through the chest with the spear and he turns around the, the princess is gone she's already been taken down by the dragon so he's like alright I gotta go do this so now he makes his way back down into the dragon's lair and he comes across the princess. She is dead. Um, there are three little dragons chewing on her and eating. And so he uh, dispatches him, slices him up with the spear. And all of a sudden he goes away and a fourth one attacks. He, he defeats it and he makes his way through the lair. And into the center of the lair is this gigantic lake. And the dragon is in there. And he is fighting the dragon. And the shield's working. It's below the fire. He's hiding behind the shield. He's attacking, running, bobbing. And finally, that he's making his way out. He gets above the dragon, comes down, and stabs it through the neck. But it doesn't kill it. And then the dragon, all ticked off, actually breaks the spear. And then it flies out. It's injured. It's ticked. And Galen is like, oh no, I failed. The kingdom's going to fall. You see the dragon flying out and it's burning, burning the village, burning, heading towards the castle. When he realized something, he still has the wizard's ashes and was told to put it in the lake, the burning lake. Um, the lake in the middle of the dragon's lair has just fire laying on it and floating on it. And he's like, all right. So he throws it in there and magic happens and it occurs and the wizard is back. He's like, this was the plan all along. You were to bring me here to get me to this point and using the glorious 1981 special effects, the wizard and the dragon have this epic showdown. Kind of cheesy video game like, but still it's an epic showdown for 1981. And finally, it is over. The dragon is dead. It falls to the ground and it is dead. And basically how the movie ends is Galen and Valerian now are heading off. They just want to have a not very adventurous life. And that is basically, in a nutshell, Dragon Slayer. I know I've missed things here and there. And uh, I know I didn't see the movie when it first came out. 
we didn't go to the movies very often in the 80s. But I do remember seeing it on HBO. At least the end of it. So when I when I pulled it up the other night to rewatch it, I'm thinking, all right, this looks familiar. And then I'm like, no, it doesn't. Then yes, it does. Then no, it doesn't. And the reason why I was confused is because Dragon Slayer and the movie Excalibur came out a couple months apart. And since I said it's been since 19, early 1980s, 83, 84, since I've seen the movies, I am mixing these two movies to make one, in my mind before rewatching it, I'm mixing these movies to make this one glorious movie with Excalibur slaying this dragon. And no, you know, it, no, it wasn't that way. But as I said, this was Dragon Slayer, June 26th. 1981. Alright, my friends, if you are anything like me on the weekends, you like to pull out the smoker or the grill, even in the dead of winter or the heat of the summer. I like to throw on some pork, some brisket, some chicken wings, it doesn't matter. But you know, barbecue sauce just does not have that kick or flavor that I want. That's why I reach for Half's Hot Sauce. What is Half's Hot Sauce, you ask? Well, let me tell you what. Half's Hot Sauce is a small batch company that makes all natural sauces with lots of local ingredients to Ohio. They strive to bring you a sauce that you want to use on everything from desserts to savory dishes. And not just hot sauce, they also have beef bamboo jerky and snack sticks and honey. But I'm there for the hot sauce. You can get flavors like Maine Squeeze, More Cowbell, Trippy Pickle, Pineapple, Hot Tropic, and the old Razzle Dazzle. They have other flavors too. Just so many, so many good flavors that you gotta try them. They also have honey. They got Bosler's Raw Wildflower Clove Honey. You can also get it infused with habanero or ghost pepper. But let me tell you, you can go to halfshotsauce.com and you can see and check out their inventory yourselves. But on checkout, type in the word 80s and you'll get 5% off of your order. That's the word 80s, not 80, but I'm talking 80s. Spell it out and you'll get 5% and tell them Jay the Movie Guy sent you. So, June 26, 1981. How did Dragon Slayer fare at the movie theaters? Not very well, because that opening weekend, it, it opened with three other movies making their debut. Stripes, Great Muppet Caper, and For Your Eyes Only. So, basically up against Bill Murray, The Muppets, and James Bond. Plus, what was also in the theaters at the time. That opening weekend, the movies that went number one through eight were Superman 2, Cannonball Run, Raiders of the Lost Ark, For Your Eyes Only, Stripes, Great Muppet Caper, Clash of the Titans, then Dragon Slayer. That opening weekend, Dragon Slayer made only 2.4 million and 14.1 for its entire run. 
on a budget of over 18 million. Half of the budget alone went towards making the dragon. Its Rod Tomato score was an 82, so the critics, critics did like the movie. And the audience score of 63. Part of me is thinking at that time they were kind of uh, fantasy movied out because earlier that year, as I said, you had Clash of the Titans was still in the theaters. Plus earlier, Excalibur was released. And now with that big of a loss back then, that would have crippled a studio. But since it was a joint effort between Paramount and Disney, they were able to split the losses and actually turning it into a profit. But they had to wait until 2012 when they finally released Dragon Slayer on Blu-ray. So, let's talk about Peter McNichol. He made his debut in this movie, but some of the other notable movies he was in was in 1982, he was in Sophie's Choice, 89, Ghostbusters 2, 92, he was in House Sitter, and even lately, in 2012, he was in the movie Battleship. However, he made his living on TV and doing animated voices. Some of his most notable shows, one on right now called All Rise, VP, he was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., CSI Cyber, Grey's Anatomy, Numbers, 24, and in 1997 he won the Emmy for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy while being on Ally McBeal. He's one of those actors you see in all these TV shows, you see in in movies as an extra and you're like, oh, that guy, who's that guy? Well, that's Peter McNichol. He's made a very good career for himself, but Dragon Slayer actually being his only time being the lead actor. Now we can go over to Caitlin Clark, who played Valerian. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2004 of ovarian cancer at the age of 52. She didn't do much in, uh, in movies and television, but she did do some decent roles. She was in 1994's Blown Away, and she was in 1986's Crocodile Dundee. On TV, she was Sex and the City, Law and Order, Moonlighting, Nurse, Equalizer, and Northern Exposure. So she had a very good career. I mean, for an, for an actress making her debut in, in Dragon Slayer, she did, she did pretty good for herself, but unfortunately, as I said, she passed away in of ovarian cancer at the age of 52. Now, Matthew Robbins, the director. Dragon Slayer was his second film. But some of the other notable films that he directed was 1991's Bingo, 1987's Batteries Not Included, and in 1985, one of my all-time personal favorite movies, he was the director of The Legend of Billie Jean. He was also credited as the writer for Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Mimic 1 and 2, and most recently, Crimson Peak. Now, let's talk about the big key in the drawing factor for Dragon Slayer. The dragon. I'm probably going to slaughter the name. Vermithax Projectivus. At the time, it was literally the best dragon ever put on film outside of animated. George R.R. Martin you know, the guy who kind of wrote Game of Thrones, said it was the best dragon ever shown on film. A couple other facts about the dragon. Its fire was created by using two flamethrowers. 
And the dragon in the movie Reign of Fire with Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey, the dragons were designed to look like Vermithrax. It really is. I don't know how they come up with dragons' names. But a couple things with Dragon Slayer. It was nominated for two Best Academy Awards for Best Effects and Musical Score. Did not win either one. So Dragon Slayer as a whole, it was right in the middle of the stretch of fantasy movies. As I said, Excalibur, Clash of the Titans, The Sword and the Sorcerer came out later, the movie Crawl came out later. And then you look further down the road, it was also there for Willow. And you can see its effects also later on with the Hobbit series and Lord of the Rings. So all in all, Dragon Slayer had some really great actors that were, they were never to be superstars. The dragon was the, was the biggest thing in the movie. However, there was one actor in the movie Dragon Slayer that you got to really look at. And that was Eamon Dick, Ian McDermott, who played Brother Jacobus. You might know him because he became the emperor in the Star Wars movies. So that is what about the actors and the actresses and the director from Dragon Slayer. So what was happening in the world the summer of 1981? Well, for nine out of ten weeks, Kim Carnes' Betty Davis Eyes ruled the summer, and it was also the number one song for 1981. As I said earlier, The Raiders of the Lost Ark was the number one movie of 1981. Total gross combined all together with its re-releases and everything. Depending where you look, it gives you different totals, but I'm going with $367.4 million. On a sad note, in 1981, on June 18th, the AIDS epidemic was formally recognized. I I remember reading articles and seeing this on news. It was called, it was called the gay man's disease. And then it really started taking off when um, I remember a teenager, Ryan White, got it from a uh, from a blood transfusion, if I if I remember right. And that that point is when it became truly humanized. But AIDS took so many great people from us. I mean, all the way up to and including the great Freddie Mercury. On June twenty second, Mark David Chapman. He pled guilty for shooting and killing John Lennon in New York City. Ruling the television in the 1981 was Dallas and the Jeffersons and 60 Minutes. And if you're too young to remember or know what Dallas is, Dallas was basically a weekly soap opera on Friday nights. And then the Jeffersons was probably one of the funniest... I mean, just funniest uh, sitcoms ever put, ever out there. In the Oscars, for the 1981 Oscars, 
Robert De Niro won the Best Actor Award for Raging Bull. Sissy Spacek won Best Actress for Coal Miner's Daughter. And the movie Ordinary People was the best movie of the year. And probably one of the biggest events ever to take place that I ever can truly remember was the wedding of Princess Diana and Prince Charles on July 9th, or July 29th, 1981. I remember the television coverage. I remember how freaking long her dress was and just the pictures and the videos of her for walking up. And probably one of the biggest things, no, not not really, the, the launch of MTV on August 1st of 1981. For those of you who are too young to remember, MTV used to play music videos. Not all these dumb shows, not road rolls and these competitions and everything like that. It used to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week of music videos. Oh, those were the good old days. Back before cell phones, back before DVRs. If you were lucky enough, you had a VCR where you could record something off TV. But that was pretty much what was happening in 1981. So, in two weeks, I'm going to be bringing you another movie from 1982. And I know my first movie, The Empire Strikes Back, was a sci-fi movie, but it's still action. This week, Dragon Slayer, fantasy, fantasy fantasy action. But don't worry, in two weeks, I am really dipping into the action genre. I am going to rewatch and talk about the birth of an action movie icon. So if you want to follow me on... 80s Action Pod on Facebook. You'll get some clues. Actually, I'll probably flat out put it out there for you. But I'm not telling you now who what movie it is. So you'll have to come back in two weeks or follow me on Facebook, 80s Action Pod. Just You can join the group at any time. So until then, Nanu Nanu, live long and prosper, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>